Turn with me, please, this morning in the Scriptures to Hebrews, the 8th chapter. Hebrews, chapter 8. Again, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, you didn't already receive one from the ushers, hold your hand up real high. And the ushers will get one to you and so we can all turn and look. And it helps when you take the time, make the effort, and find the Scripture, let your eyes rest on it. It helps remind you that this is not just something that, that I'm saying, but it's something that he said. And uh, uh, we began some years back reading the Bible through together there at the Branson Church. I'd like for us to do that here as well. We read one chapter of the, the Scripture every day, Monday through Friday. And if you'll do that, you read the New Testament through in its entirety in one year. Works out exactly uh, right. And so if you haven't been doing that with us, uh, please join us. The, I believe we have some uh, markers out at the information area, bookmarks that tell you what chapter. And actually we're reading uh, in Hebrews right now. And so uh, please join us with that. One of the greatest things you could ever do is to read the scriptures on a regular basis. Uh, I talked to a guy some years ago, and some things came up, and I suggested some, some of this to him. And, and he said, oh, I, the Bible? I said, yeah. He said, I read some of that. <laughs> He's told me years ago. No, it, it's not like other books. You don't just read it, and then you got it. Uh, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What he's saying there is, among other things, that what food is to your uh, natural body, the Word of God is to your spirit. And so, uh, so many people are so weak in faith because they're malnourished. They're not fed, you know. Uh, and some people, you know, they never get fed spiritually. So they're just emaciated inside. And uh, what if you tried to get by on one cold snack a week? <laughs> well, I trust if you come to this church, you won't just get a cold snack. You'll get something good and hot. But, you know, you, you like to eat physically more than just on the weekend. Don't you? How many like to eat more than just on the weekend? Let me see. <laughs> sure you do. Well, I'm telling you, eating spiritually is just as important and more important than eating physically. And you can't be strong inside, you can't have strong faith if you don't feed your spirit on a continuous basis. And uh, that includes you reading the scriptures for yourself, and it includes hearing good teaching and preaching that is in faith. And so... Uh, Please do that. Let me encourage you to do that. And it will do wonders for you now and in the days to come. Did you find Hebrews 8? Hebrews 8 and verse 11. Are you believing with me this morning? Let's just take a moment and pray about it and agree on it. Utterance, you know, is greatly affected by the hearers. There's more than one side to this. Father, in the name of Jesus... We agree together is asking for utterance for the rest of the service and for everybody to have eyes that see and 
ears to hear and a heart to receive. Give us exact, Lord, speak through me right now, I pray, and to us, and give us exactly what you would say if you were here in the flesh, and, and answers to questions and direction for right now, answers and help, a supply of the Spirit, truth that makes free. And we'll give you all the praise and thanks, and we'll not be hearers only, but by your grace we'll be doers of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. means so be it. Hebrews 8 and verse 11. We begin on this, I believe it was last week, and uh, talking about the subject of walking with God. And our text is this. It says, They shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all, for all rather, shall know me, from the least to the greatest. He's talking about this new and better covenant established upon better promises. He said, In that day they'll not say to everybody, you know, know the Lord, they'll all know me from the least to the greatest. This is one of the greatest things that makes our covenant greater than the first covenant. Under the old covenant, only a few people uh, ever experienced the real presence of God. The prophet of God would have an anointing come on him to prophesy. The king would have an anointing come on him. The priest would have an anointing come on. Sometimes there were deliverers like Samson, and the anointing would come on them. But for the most part, most of the people had no personal experience with God. And so when they needed to hear from God, they would go to a prophet or a priest and ask them to inquire of the Lord for them. Well, thank God today, you don't have to go to anybody and ask them to inquire of the Lord for you. Because you yourself can come boldly to the throne of grace. Do you believe it? God will hear you. Not you plus a bunch of other people. You. You can come in the name of Jesus. The scripture said there's one God and one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus. There is nobody between you and God except Jesus. That's it. You don't have to get anybody to pray for you because you feel like you don't have enough faith or enough standing with God that, you know, they, they, they know him better and they have faith. No, you can come for yourself. He will hear you. And he said in that day, they'll not say every man to his brother, know the Lord. They'll all know me from the least to the greatest. Said out loud, they shall all know me. From the least to the greatest. Go on over to the 11th chapter now of Hebrews. 11 and verse 1. 11.1, he says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Let me read you some other translations of that. Uh, The NIV says it like this, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain 
of what we do not see. Faith is being sure of what we hope for. Now, the word hope, uh, if you look it up in the Scriptures, it means expect, expect, expectation. Faith is being sure of what we're expecting. And faith is being certain of what we do not see. Listen to another translation, the, the New Century, the NCV. It says, faith means being sure of the things we hope for and knowing that something is real even if we do not see it. Knowing that something is real even if we don't see it. The Amplified is also good on this. Verse 1, Amplified. Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for. How many know if if you got the title deed... Even if you haven't taken delivery of it, it's yours. Huh? You got it. (laughs) Right? If you had the title deed on a house or a car or a piece of property and you knew it was legitimate, you knew it was real, you knew it was genuine, couldn't you go ahead and shout before you ever moved into the house? Couldn't you go ahead and, and praise God before you ever drove the car? Well, that's how faith is. He went on to say, it's the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. It's being sure of what we hope for or expect. It's being certain of what we do not see. And he goes on through this entire 11th chapter giving example after example of people who lived by faith and walked by faith. In verse uh, 5, skip down to verse 5, he said, uh, let's go back to the King James, by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and he was not found because God had translated him. Now translate, it means to, uh, to transfer. It means to be removed and, and put in another place, just like what you would think. And before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is And, in other words, and you must believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We're not told much about Enoch. If you go back to the book of Genesis, basically all you see is that uh, he was born and, and who his father was. And then certain period in his life, it said he walked with God. And then it said that he couldn't be found as God took him as he was walking with God. And here in Hebrews we're told that God was pleased with him. And what was he pleased with? Here the scripture says it was his faith. We're talking about walking with God. And so we present and answer the question today, how do we walk with him? How do you walk with God? You answer it with two words. 
Anybody know the two words? By faith. If you're looking there in, in that 11th chapter of Hebrews, look at, look at the verses. Just, just, just start reading down through the verses. And what do they start off with? By faith. By faith. And then Abraham, what? By faith. And uh, Sarah, by faith. And, and, and Joseph, by faith. And Moses, by faith. And, and, and do you see it over and over again? By faith. By faith. By faith. Did these people have experiences with God? Did they walk with God and know Him and see things and, and have things happen? How did it happen? How did they do it? By faith. Now that phrase has been thrown around a lot. The word faith has been used a whole bunch and in a lot of incorrect ways. But this is how you do it. How do you walk with God? By faith. Enoch walked with God by faith. And that's how you and I are going to walk with him. Go with me if you would. Let's see. Over to Hosea, the sixth chapter. They'll put it up on the screen for us. Hosea chapter 6. And verse 3. What does it say? Then shall we know what? If we follow on to know the Lord. A lot more there in that, that scripture, but I just want to notice that first part. We will know if we follow on to know. The New American says, so let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. Now, I should have had you hold your place, but I didn't. Maybe you'll remember it. In Hebrews eleven six. what did he say? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to him must believe two things. What? You can put it back up on the screen for us, please. Hebrews eleven six. You must believe two things. Number one, you must believe what? That he is. That he exists. That he's real. That he's God. Now, faith is the substance of things uh, expected or hoped for, the evidence of what? Things not seen. We don't see God with our eyes. We don't perceive him with our physical touch. But if you're going to come to him, what do you have to do? You've got to believe that he is. Now, you'll hear people saying, well, you know, I'm sorry, but I'm a, I'm a person of science and and I'm an educated person, and I just can't believe that. No, you said it wrong. You, you could believe it if you would choose to. You choose not to believe it. Well, I just believe that, you know, I, I believe that everything came into existence uh, by, by chance. Well, you have no proof of that. That's another belief. 
What people claim as science is actually just a different belief. Hmm? That, that human beings just evolved on their own from the goo to the zoo to you. <laughs> That's not proven fact. That's a belief. That the earth and the solar systems and the stars and all that just, just came from a happen chance, chaotic co- collisions. That's not proven fact. It's a belief. People try to act like it's science, but it's, it's, a, it's a belief. You can believe anything you choose to, including things that are absolutely untrue. You can believe complete lies. Well, I submit to you that the words of this wonderful book are true. Truth. They've been tested. They've been examined. They've experienced every kind of scrutiny through generation after generation, and it stands. I said it stands. Heaven and earth will pass away, but these words will stand. You can trust them with your life, with your eternity. And it's a wise man, it's a wise woman that will choose to believe these words. These words tell us that God is. And that in the beginning, He created the heavens and the earth. And He created man. And He has redeemed man. Does somebody in here believe that today? Say it out loud, I believe it. I believe it. Well, belief, faith, is, the, is being sure of what you're hoping for or expecting. It's being certain of what you don't see. Hmm? How did Enoch walk with God? By faith. Now, put it up again for us. Verse 6. Without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is. Have you made that decision? Are you settled in that? Hmm? You believe he he exists? He is. You know, you probably wouldn't be sitting in here today. It's possible that you are. But uh, never doubt it. Never question it. Let it be forever settled. God is. Is and he is God. Amen. Amen. But but that's not the end. There's an and. And. And this is where so much of the church world is missing it and falling short. There's a lot of people going to churches all over the world that believe that God is, but that's where they stop. But according to this, you must believe something else. What must you believe? You must believe that he is a rewarder. That word literally means remunerator. He is a rewarder of them that do what? Not just everybody. Not just those that believe he exists. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Mm 
How do you walk with God? You do so by faith. And if you believe that he is and he's real, and if you believe that he is a rewarder, you will seek him. If you never seek him, do you even believe he's real? If you never seek him, do you believe he's good enough and that there would be a, a good result in you seeking him? You've got to believe something about the nature of God. You've got to believe something about his character. Look with me over in James. You're close by if you're in Hebrews. Maybe you're still at the other place. <laughs> They'll put it up on the screen for us. James 4. Everything is not left up to God. People try to leave everything up to God. And you'll hear people saying, well, it's just all in God's hands. It's all up to Him. But there's a real problem with that. If He left something up to you, you can't leave to Him what He left up to you. <laughs> you ever played checkers? Huh? Or chess? Hmm? You ever played and, and maybe you got distracted, you, you moved, and it was the other person's move, and, and you looked around, and, and they moved, and you didn't realize it, and you look back, and you're just waiting, waiting, waiting. Finally, you say, hey, move, and they go, hey, I already moved. <laughs> that is much of the church world. They think they're waiting on God to move. So many Christians think it's God's move, and it's not. He has moved. God became man. Jesus took our infirmities, bore our sicknesses, carried our pains, took our sins, took the chastisement of our peace, obtained an eternal redemption for us with his own blood. Entered into the holy of holies. He's at the right hand of the Father where he ever lives to make intercession for us. He has moved. And what a move. And yet you got so much of the church who are going, God, you know, well, it's just up to God. It's just up to God. It's just all up to him. No, it's not all up to him. When he says you're to do something, you can't leave up to him what he left up to you. And one thing he told us to do, seek him. He told us to seek him. Uh, in James 4, notice this. James 4 and about verse 6, I believe it is. That he gives more grace, wherefore he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace 
unto the humble. Keep reading. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. And what will the devil do? He'll flee from you when you do it. There's some things you ought to uh, yield to and there's some things you ought to resist. Two of the greatest things to ever learn in life is that right there, what to yield to and what to resist. Keep going. What did he say? Draw nigh to God. And what will happen? He will draw nigh to you. Uh, Whose move is it? Hmm? Well, God, you, if you'll show, show me something, then, then I'll, I'll, no, no, he's already moved. It's your move. <laughs> Draw nigh to God. Who's supposed to do that? You are. I am. We are. Draw near to God. The NIV says it like that. Come near to God and he will come near to you. How do you do that? By faith. How do you come near to him? You do it by faith, believing two things. Number one, that he's there. I don't have to feel him. I don't have to see him. I don't have to hear him with my ears. He's here. Somebody say, he's here. here. Believe that he is here. Believe everywhere you are. There he is. Go to Psalm 139. I know I'm covering a lot of scripture, but uh, it's, it's much better than my opinion. <laughs> huh? Psalm 139. Everybody okay? You comfortable? You happy? We're a blessed bunch, aren't we? Yes, we are. He is here. How do I know? By faith. (laughs) Right? How do you know he's here? Faith is the evidence of things not seen. It's a choice. He said he's here. I believe it. Thus... He's here. Hmm? If he's here, I ought to act like he's here. That was worth you getting up and coming to church right there. (laughs) Look in Psalm 139. He said, oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my down-sitting and my uprising. You know when I sit down. You know when I get up. You understand my thought afar off. He knows what you're going to think way before you think it. <laughs> you compass. Compass is a circle. You circle my path and my lying down, and you are acquainted with all my ways. There's not a word in my tongue, but, oh, Lord, you know it all together. Before you say it. He knows what you're going to say. 
You have beset me behind and before and put your hand on me. He's behind me, he's in front of me, and he's got his hand on me at the same time. He goes on to say, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain to it. We don't fully grasp this. When you say God is omnipresent, he is present everywhere at once, your head doesn't get that, and yet it's true. He's here. He said, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? Where are you going to go? And he's not there. You know, the Bible said Jonah, when the Lord told him to go preach the message uh, to the Ninevites, he fled from the presence of the Lord. Now, that is a futile endeavor, isn't it? You're going to run away from God. So he got the best traveling mode of his day, a good fast ship. He got him a ticket on it, and he went, you know, and you know the rest of the story. But I don't care. He, he, God, he says this right here. He says, if I ascend up into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and go to the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall your hand lead me and your right hand shall hold me. You can get the fastest jet and go to the furthest remote island and you get off and you get behind a palm tree and the Lord says, hey, what are you doing here? <laughs> he is everywhere. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. Now, he is not manifested his presence is not manifested to the same degree everywhere. There are some places in the world that people don't believe in him. They don't serve him. They don't acknowledge him. And it's dark and cold spiritually there. If people would call it a God-forsaken place. It feels God-forsaken. And yet, he's there. He's just not in, in manifestation to a large degree. And then there's other places where you can step on the property and sense the presence of God. This place is supposed to be such a place. You believe it? That people can come and they can come on the parking lot. They can come in the building and, and experience His presence and sense Him. Not that He's not at other places, but He's in greater, His presence is in greater manifestation. Which is exactly what we're talking about. How do you walk with God? It starts with a firm decision that he is real and he is here. And so if he's here, I can talk to him and he'll hear me. He can talk to me and I can hear from him. He's here. I can experience his presence. And whether I sense or feel anything or not, I still know he's here because it's by faith. Faith counts as a certain sure fact what is not revealed to the senses. Can you say amen? amen? Thank you, Lord, that you're always with us. Didn't he say, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll always be with you, even to the end of the age, even to the end of the world. You know, when this is real to you, your lonely days are over. You say, well, I'm, just, I'm, I'm so lonely being by myself all the time. Oh, so you're by yourself. 
Yeah, I just buy myself so much. Oh, are you? Are you really? Buy your lonesome? Jesus, you know, at the end of his earth walk, he looked at his disciples, those closest to him, and he said, all of you are going to leave me tonight. But he didn't break down and start crying and say, I feel so lonely. What did he say? You're all going to leave me. He said, yet I am not alone because the Father who sent me is with me. Was that real to him? It can be real to you. Even though you're alone in your apartment or in your house or wherever you are in your car or there's not another human person sitting beside you, you're not alone. I said, you're not alone. You're never alone. Never alone. And when you learn how to walk by faith like you should, you'll begin to be increasingly aware of his presence. Not only is he there, but you can begin to experience him being there. And it's tied directly to your and my faith. You hear people say, well, seeing is believing. That is an absolutely untrue statement. Completely untrue. The psalmist said, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see. It's not seeing and then believing. No, it's believing and then experiencing. Unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's here and now. You can see some things. You can experience some things in the here and now. And how will you do it? Hmm? Ten people got it right. What about the rest of the folks? How, how will you do it? By faith. By faith. How do you walk with God? By faith. By faith. And that consists of two main things he told us. We know Enoch walked with God. God got so real to him, he took him out of this world. This is not a fairy tale. This actually happened. God got so real to him. One day he looked up and he was no longer on the planet. He thought, wow, how did I get here? <laughs> when you start walking with God, you can wind up in some amazing places. And he did it by faith. And the Bible said that faith pleased God. And that's why the Lord kept revealing more of himself to him and, and, and being closer to him because Enoch was drawing close to him and God was responding and rewarding him with greater manifestation of his presence until it got to the place where, uh, you know, he's walking with God and, and he lost track of time and lost track of where he was and God said, hey, why don't you just stay at my house? No need you going back home today. Just stay with me. And he did. <laughs> and it was his faith that allowed God to do this with him and for him. It was his faith that pleased him. Look at Hebrews 11.6 again. They'll put it on the screen for us. What two things must we believe? Number one, we must believe that he is. He exists. He's here. He's real. Say it out loud. He's real. He's, real. He's, here. He's here. 
It would help you this afternoon, tonight, tomorrow, Tuesday. If just throughout the day, you'd, you'd say that out loud. He's real and he's here. It'll cause you to live different, won't it? He's here. He's real. What else do, must you believe? You must believe that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So now you're going to have to seek him if you're going to experience him. But you must believe that it will do you good to seek him. If you don't believe he'll respond to you, if you don't believe he'll reward you with anything for seeking him, there's not much motivation. Why, don't, why aren't people seeking God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength all over the place? One, people don't believe in him. They don't believe he's real. And second, a lot of folks knew it wouldn't do any good anyway. You know, he's God. He's off somewhere. He's, he's too busy to deal with little things like what I'm going through. And it, no matter what we might pray and say and do, it probably wouldn't make any difference. So they don't believe he's a rewarder. Enough to motivate them to seek him. But Jesus said, seek and you shall find. Didn't he? Yeah. Let me read some scriptures to you. You don't have to turn to these. Just listen. Deuteronomy 4.29 says, If you will seek the Lord your God, you shall find him. If you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul, what will happen? You'll find him. You'll find him. If you seek him, you will find him. Thank you, Lord. First Chronicles 22.19 says it like this. 22.19, First Chronicles. Set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Now this begins to give us some specific details. You can set your heart and your soul. Now your soul includes your, your mind and your emotions. You can set your mind, you can set your heart to seek him, I'm going to call it focus. If you set your heart or mind towards something, what does that mean? You're focusing and setting your mind on and your heart towards. And whatever you set your mind upon, you open your heart up to. Does it matter what you think on? Oh, yes, it does. Yes, it does. In, uh, why don't you turn to Romans, please? Can you take a little more of this? Go to Romans, the eighth chapter, please. While you're turning there, I'm going to read some more scriptures on seeking him. You don't have to. Turn to these, just listen. Lamentations 3.25 says, The Lord is good to them that wait for him and to the soul that seeks him. 
We've got different scriptures that say if you seek him, you'll find him. If you seek him, he'll be good to you. Isn't that another way of saying he'll reward you? He'll be good to you. And uh, John 4, 23 and 24 it talks about true worshipers worshiping God in spirit and in truth. It says the Father seeks such to worship Him. Did you know the Father is seeking worshipers? If you seek Him, He's seeking such to worship Him. Verse 24, God is spirit and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Most Christians are familiar with 2 Chronicles 7.14 that says, If my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and do what? Seek my face. If you seek his face, nothing will happen? No. I will hear. I'll forgive. I'll heal. Does that sound like a reward? Because you sought him. You sought him. In Acts 17, you don't have to turn there, just listen. This is the NIV in verse uh, 24. You might look up on the screen, Acts 17, 24 in the NIV. God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in temples built by hands. Keep going, the next couple of verses. He's not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. Keep going. For one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. He determined the times set for them in the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and reach out for him and find him. Amen. Though he's not hard to find, he's not far from each one of us. He's not, he's not playing hard to find. <laughs> but we must show enough faith to reach out to him and seek him. Do you think a lot of people are waiting on God to make a move towards them? Yeah. And that's wrong. He already has done that. We're to make the move of seeking him. And when any man or woman anywhere on the earth makes no difference their background, when they look up and say, God, I believe in you. I, I don't see it. I don't hear you. I don't feel you. But I believe in you. And I believe you hear me. I believe you're a good God, and I'm reaching out to you. If you do that in sincerity with all your heart, it won't be long. You'll begin to sense his presence because you're drawing near to him, and he told you he would respond. But if you shake a fist and go, if you are real, why do you let this happen? Or why didn't you? You don't believe in him. You don't believe he's a good God. It'll be like there is no God to you. You'll experience nothing. Aren't you glad to know that when you reach out, He reaches back. When you seek Him, 
He'll let himself be found of you. When you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. That's exactly what Enoch did by faith. That's how he walked with God. That's how he pleased God. In closing, I think, Romans 8. Are you there? Romans 8 and verse about verse 5 or so. We noticed the scripture that talked about setting your heart and your soul to seek him. Setting it. He said, they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, in other words, they mind the things of the spirit. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded is what? You'll experience that. But to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. Does it make any difference what you think on? What you set your mind on? How much difference does it make? According to this, it's the difference between life and death. Now, we see the word peace, life and peace. The scripture said, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. What is that, Isaiah 26, 3 or so? Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose what? So when you see somebody, whether it's you or somebody else, that's all upset, all distraught, no peace, vexed, frustrated, anxious, worried, scared, what do we know? They, they have not been keeping their mind stayed on him. Right? Why? Because if they had been, he would be keeping them in perfect peace. Now, all of us have made mistakes in these areas, but friend, one of the greatest things you could learn is that my mind is my mind, and I can set my mind on anything I choose to. Nobody, nothing can make me think on something I don't want to think on. Even though I might be having all kind of problems in my body, I can set my mind on my healer, not my symptoms. Are you listening, friends? Even though I might be having difficulties in finances and bills and problems, I can set my mind on my provider, not my problem. And, old friend, if you will, if you will, whatever you set your mind on... You open your spirit up too. And whatever you mind night and day gets in your spirit. Gets in you. Good or bad. And if we would learn and be smart, we wouldn't yield to these wrong thoughts and these worries and fears and frustrations and anxieties knowing that will connect us with death. It'll work death in us. Look at it again, Romans 8 and 5. To be carnally minded. Carnal is the natural, the flesh, what we perceive with our senses. If, th if that's all you ever think about, 
you'll, you'll experience death. But to be spiritually minded is what? Life. Oh, when you set your mind on Him. When you set your mind on your redemption in Christ. When you set your mind on the love of God. The moment you really do that, peace begins to come into you and over you. And life. Do you believe these scriptures, saints? It's a direct connection to life and peace. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Oh, say it again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What you focus your mind on, what you set your heart towards, is what you're going to be aware of and what you're going to allow to become more real and more prominent in your life. I want us to check something right now. Most of the time, most people, even believers, their primary focus is about on the people who are around about them. And their secondary focus is on God. If they sense His presence strong enough. In service right now, I'm looking at you, you're looking at me. I'm talking, maybe you're hearing me. I should not be your primary focus. I should be secondary. Are y'all with me, saints? Your primary focus, you should be primarily mindful of Him. He's here. He's real. And then secondarily, that He could be using me to say and do some things, but your primary focus is Him. Are y'all with me, friends? I know this sounds simple. But this, this will change the way you live. If all day and all night your primary focus is on him, that he's here. How did Enoch walk with God? By faith. Faith believing he is and faith believing he's a good rewarder of those who seriously seek him. So Enoch heard all these amazing stories that his grandpa and grandma Adam and Eve told him about how God was so wonderful and how they walked with God in the garden in the cool of the day and experienced his glory and, and splendor. And now the, he, nobody's experienced that personally for all these years. And Enoch got tired of hearing about these hand-me-down experiences. And he, and he walked out into the woods one day and he said, God, I know you're still around. I know we're not in the garden. I know grandpa and grandma messed up. But why can't I know you? Why can't you be real to me? You know, I'm just going to talk to you like you hear me. And I'm just going to believe that you're here by faith. Not seeing, not feeling. He started doing that. And oh, he did not know what he was opening up. Because he just kept doing it. He just kept, and he'd go around his house. And he'd go around and he'd just stop in the middle of something. He'd say, God, hi. I know you're here. 
Instead of only being aware of himself and other people, he shifted his primary focus to be continuously aware of God in everything. And I don't know how long this went. We know overall it went for years and years, but I don't think it was very long until he's out in the, in the woods again going, God, nice day we're having here. Thank you for the weather. Appreciate you helping me with that stock and with that crop. I appreciate this. Thank you. And he sensed the presence of the Almighty. He thought, oh, you are here. Because <laughs> why? If you draw near to him, he's going to respond. If you seek him, he's going to reward you. The greatest thing he could reward you with is his very own presence. And when he does that, that is everything because in his presence is everything you need. It is fullness of joy. And as the days went by and the months went by and the years went by, it just became a normal, normal thing. He sensed the presence of God stronger and stronger and stronger until he'd get caught up and, and he'd be out there for half a day and, and lose track of time. And he'd get caught up and be out there for two or three days. And they'd say, where have you been? He said, I've I just been fellowshipping with the Lord. And then one day he didn't come home at all. <laughs> God took him to his house. Said, you just stay with me. No need you going back. And the Bible said it was because what he was doing pleased God so well. And it was his faith. That pleased him. Do you believe that's available to you and me in this new and better covenant? Do you believe that? When do we have to, how much longer do we have to wait for God to be more real to us? Not another minute. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's sing uh, where he leads me, I will follow. Let's do that.